I'm with Peter in this reading when he says, this must never happen to you, Lord. When Jesus says he needs to go to Jerusalem and he's going to suffer and he's going to be killed and on the third day raised, this should never happen to you. I'm with Peter because we're all with Peter. All of us want the best to happen. We don't want the worst to happen. Remember all the way through COVID, how often our political leaders encouraged us to sort of go out and do things too early when the medical leaders were saying, no, we need to hold back, we need to stay at home a bit more. I understood exactly where they were coming from. I wanted to believe the best. I wanted to hope for the best, not have to deal with the worst. I didn't want to have to listen to the medical uh, staff tell us how bad this could be, how much we needed to change the way we lived in order to, to, um, to deal with it. I wanted to believe the best. I wanted to live, as Peter does here, in a fantasy world. We would rather live in fantasy than reality most of the time, wouldn't we? We don't have to spend very much time looking at the news before we start imagining what life would be like on a beautiful tropical island, as long as it's not Maui. That's the way we think. So Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block. For you're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. It turns out it doesn't matter from where it comes. A lie is a lie. Even if it comes from someone close to you, someone who should know better, even if it comes from inside the life of the church. A lie is a lie. An untruth is an untruth. The sexual abuse scandal that all of our churches have, are dealing with is because we lied about sexuality and leadership. We covered up sexual desire and said it didn't matter because we're spiritual. We're religious. We're wearing the dresses. So it should be okay. We can manage it. We didn't tell the truth about what it's like to be a sexual being. We covered it up and terrible things happened. And many, many, many people are living their lives dealing with that. And we as institutions are dealing with it. We believed a fantasy about how wonderful it was to be a leader and to be a Christian rather than the truth of how hard it is to live a good and faithful life. Paul diagnosed this in his culture before the reading that we heard from Alan this morning when he said they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And that's exactly what's going on here. And then Jesus begins to tell truth. Not a truth that's very easy to listen to. If anyone wants to become my followers, if anyone to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. We've had some very strange interpretations of this text over the years. We've often told women in abusive relationships that this is the cross they must bear and that marriage is so sacred that they should put up with abuse hoping that somehow that action 
will change the circumstances they're in and change the person who's abusing them. We've told people that taking up your cross is enduring the suffering that life brings. And that if you can manage to endure suffering and you're stoic, then that's like taking up your cross. That's not what Jesus said at all. He doesn't say you must endure the suffering of life, because you must. That's all of us have to. That's just the way life is. It's not anything like that at all. He's saying you must take up your cross. And when he's talking about this, he's talking to people who know exactly what this would look like. This is what we think the condemned in the Roman Empire were required to do. They were required to carry the means of their execution on their back to the place of their execution. Jesus is said to have done that in two of the Gospels. Why would Jesus talk about the instrument of state terror in such a way? It was a cruel thing. It was specifically designed to intimidate and control. It was specifically given, crucifixion was designed for those who stood up against the state. It was about designing, it was designed to control with fear. It was a public warning to anyone else. This is what will happen to you if you cross the state. There were crosses lined up on the roads into all the major cities of the empire so that as you came in you could see the dying and the dead and the decomposing bodies of those who had stood against the state. It was a warning. But of course the cross was also a metaphor for the people who read Matthew's Gospel because yes, some of Jesus' disciples were crucified, we think, the legends tell us, maybe one or two, but the majority weren't. But it was talking about the violent death by an overwhelming power over which you have no control. So it becomes a metaphor for all death because isn't that our experience of it? Even what we call a good death is still a terrible ripping away of life. Even those that we have loved who have died because of medical science as peacefully as they possibly could, they're still gone. It's still wrong that they're not here with us. And those of us who had fathers that we loved and admired, today's the day that we start to think about them again. And they may have been gone for a long, long time, but it's still wrong. That's not the way we want our lives to be. I think when Jesus says, take up your cross, he is speaking to Peter and what Peter had just said to him. No, 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 no. Don't let this happen. Let's live in this world. Taking up your cross is facing the truth about life, is that it ends. Death will be imposed upon you by a power that you cannot reason with, nor bargain with, nor understand. It will just happen. We need to take up the truth of the shortness of our life and live in that truth 
not in the fantasy that if I rub a bit more stuff in my skin or do a little bit more exercise, I'll live forever. Because those who want to save their life will lose it. Life doesn't come in a bucket. It comes in a sieve or a colander. It's always running out. All you can do is choose where it goes, not what to do. You can't save time. We know this. We use this language, but we know it's not true. We can't save time. It just is all the time going away from us. We can choose how to spend it. That's all we can do. Those who want to hold on, in the holding on, lose it. Those who want to keep everything safe so that nothing goes wrong, lose the experience of life. Because you're going to lose it anyway. They will lose the truthful experience that life can be. But those who lose their life for my sake will find it, Jesus says. Though, or another way of reading this text or translating it is those who lose their life because of me. Because they have faced the truth of their death. Because they've willingly broken out of the bubble of fantasy that this will keep going forever. They will find life because life will take on meaning and purpose and, 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 a, and a, a reality. You know what it's like if you've been very sick and then you get better. Everything looks fantastic. Food tastes great. The sun that was shining yesterday shines in a way that you never thought about before. The people you love as you come back out of the fog of being ill become more precious to you. You live life in the moment knowing because it isn't going to go forever. You've broken out of that fantasy. That's when you find it. You'll discover life. You will be part of the blessed, which Matthew's Gospel goes on and on about. Blessed are those who mourn. That's life. That's reality. Those who are poor in spirit. That's life. That's reality. Those who hunger and thirst for justice. That's life. That's reality. They're the blessed. That's our experience. And then there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in the kingdom. I don't know what that means, but I'm guessing it could have something to do with the fact that once you experience this truth and you live with it, death isn't tasted, it's just accepted for what it will be and when it will be, which we never know. Because we experience the moment of being in the life that God calls us to, being blessed, being in the kingdom, because Jesus says in a couple of places in Luke's gospel, the kingdom isn't here or there. It's here now in you. You're in it. And you could live a life pretending you're not. You can live a life in fantasy that it's always going to be somewhere better when you do this, that, or the other thing. Or it's for other people who are smarter or wiser or better educated or more spiritual or know the Bible better. Or it could be that you are already present in it, God with you. Some of us standing here, me standing, you sitting, some of us here right now, some of us, it could be all of us, can experience in this moment the honest truth that this will not go on forever, but where we are now, right in the middle of it, we are the blessed. We, the ones that mourn, the ones 
that hunger for justice. The ones who are poor in spirit, we are the ones. Not just us, all those out there in the sunlight.